Hello and happy Wednesday, Nostalgia Seekers. My name is Steph. And I'm Lex. And this is Chasing Childhood, a weekly podcast where we revisit our childhood favorite movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults. I cannot believe we only have five weeks until our 50th episode. Where is 2021 going? I'm literally still trying to process 2020, so the fact that this year is almost over is making me ooky. (laughs) It's insane. I feel like just yesterday it was 2020. Literally. I'm still not even processing that we're in 2021, and now we're more than halfway past it, so I'm I'm just totally blown. And of course, our first episode ever came out in September of 2020, which means we only have two months until the one year anniversary of Chasing Childhood. Stop. I know. Can you believe it? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. We've done so many movies, so many movies in, in that time. Literally so many. Oh my gosh. And we have so many more. Yeah. So strap in, folks. <laughs> After reviewing a box office success like we did last week with Home Alone, this week we wanted to review a lesser known animated film from our childhood. It's super funny that you say lesser known because I forgot this film even existed until a Google <laughs> search awakened some repressed memory in my head. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. So today we're reviewing Cats Don't Dance. And like Steph just said, this is one of those movies that I maybe saw once or twice when I was like five or six years old. So rewatching it felt like I was reliving a dream. (laughs) Like it did not feel like something that exists in the world. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We'll get into it, but like we usually do, we'll dive into some behind-the-scenes information about the making of this film, then get into some fun facts, and lastly decide whether Catstone Dance is underappreciated or if it was better off as a repressed memory from our past. So Cadstone Dance is a 1997 American animated musical comedy film distributed by Warner Brothers. It is the only fully animated feature produced by Turner Feature Animation. And Turner Feature Animation had also produced the animated portions of another forgotten film, The Page Master, which came out in 1994, um, featuring Macaulay Culkin. Wow. Yeah, apparently Turner Feature Animation just turned into Warner Brothers Animation. You know, the studios, they just be sucking up other studios and getting bigger. Yeah, (laughs) they just be merging into one super studio. They truly do. Yeah. So this film was actually the directorial debut of former Disney animator Mark Dindle, who later went on to direct The Emperor's New Groove and Chicken Little. Wow. Yeah, right? Emperor's New Groove is one of my all-time favorites. It's so so good. (laughs) So good. Cats Don't Dance stars the voice talents of Scott Bakula, Jasmine Guy, Matthew Harriet, Ashley Peldon, John Rhys-Davies, Kathy Najmi, and many, many more. I did not even know that Kathy Najmi was in this. I love her in Hocus right? Pocus. She is fantastic. It's super funny. I'm a huge fan of Jasmine Guy, and so to find out that she was in this was crazy. That's amazing. So its musical numbers were written by Disney Pixar legend Randy Newman, who you might know as the man who wrote and sang You Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Wow. Cats Don't Dance also included contributions from Singing in the Rain's Gene Kelly as choreographer. Honestly, I love Gene Kelly so much. (laughs) He was such a beautiful man. (laughs) Yes, here's looking at you, kid. Oh, love it. 
So with a $32 million budget, this movie was a colossal box office flop for Warner Brothers, earning only $3.6 million. Yikes. I also like how they threw the .6 on there just to make it like a little better. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's not just $3 million. No, it's 3.6. Get it right. Round up. <laughs> However, despite its financial performance, the film received generally positive reviews and many critics praised it for its animation, humor, voice performances, and musical numbers. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So if you've never seen this film, don't feel bad. It only made $3.6 million in the box (laughs) office, so you're not alone. But for the sake of our show, here's a summary of the plot written by our main man, Kenneth Chisholm. Kenneth! Our boy, he's back. (laughs) Ho, 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 ho! (laughs) (laughs) A young, ambitious cat named Danny comes to Hollywood with a song in his heart, dance moves in his feet, and the dream of becoming a movie star. Okay, Kenneth. I like this. All right. All right. When he gets there, he learns that he can get no part other than the stereotypical cat roles with Meow being his sole line. With his friends, including a discouraged female dancer turned secretary named Sawyer, he sets out to change that situation. However... Darla Dimple, the child star, is also out to ensure that the gang will never get the chance and become a threat to her career. Yeah. Wow. That was beautiful. Kenneth, always coming in clutch. Snaps for Kenneth. (laughs) I like how I said snaps and I'm clapping my hands. (laughs) Claps for Kenneth. What a guy. So jumping into our fun facts. Please do. When Warner Brothers acquired the distribution rights after acquiring Turner Pictures, they made very little effort to promote the film. The only merchandising was a Subway tie-in. That was it. That's all they did. According to to the Los Angeles Times, 15 people, including a, and part of that was a family of five, attended the first matinee screening in a theater in Pasadena, California. Wow. Like, that's insane. 15 people came to the first matinee screening of a brand new film. Wow. That's crazy. And five of them were in the same family. And that's not during a pandemic. No. And producer David Kirshner told The Times he was devastated by the film's performance, adding that it got great reviews and great exit polls and no one knew it was out there. Wow. Isn't that so sad? That is horrible. Warner Brothers do better. Come on. Right. When you take a tiny robot like Turner Pictures and make one super robot into Warner Brothers, do better. Yeah. Treat it like you treat your own movies. Yeah. It just reminds me of like the merging of like tiny little Transformer dolls into making one big one. But then (laughs) how do you not, you just don't do anything? Like that's insane. Yeah. No, that's That's so unfair. So my first and only fun fact is that LB Mammoth is a parody of Louis B. Meyer, head of Metro-Goldwyn-Meyer from 1924 to 1951, hence the recreation of the lion logo from MGM with the mammoths that appears in the movie. That's so funny. When they did that, I was like, oh, that's MGM. So cute. Yeah. (laughs) Adorable. Um, And so my last fun fact is that in one scene, Danny lands on a cement block from Grauman's Chinese Theater that has Gene Kelly's feet and handprints, although he did not arrive to Hollywood until 1941, which is two years after this film takes place, and he actually didn't put his hands and feet in cement until 1969, but this movie was Kelly's last film project, so they included it. Aww. 
That's so sweet. Oh, Gene Kelly. Yeah, and in this movie, this movie is dedicated to Gene Kelly as yeah. well. In the in the credits, it's very sweet. It's very very sweet. Oh, all right, Lex. So let's jump into it. All right. Well, let's get into our rewatch. Yes. How much did we watch this as kids? If I watched this, then I only ever watched it one time. Yeah. And I I can't even be confident that I watched it all the way through one time. I think, gosh, maybe I did. Maybe I watched it one time. I, I feel like I've only seen parts of this movie and when I was very, very young because I didn't remember anything about it going into it. Yeah. What about you? Like I said before, I think I watched this like once or twice when I was like five or six years old. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I remembered from this movie was Darla Dimple. <laughs> her psychotic self she's the only one I remembered yeah that's so funny yeah I weirdly remembered her and her henchman Max like her bodyguard Max um and then when I was watching it I I also recognized Pudge the little the little um penguin oh yeah I didn't remember anything about them though I just remembered what they looked like no absolutely same I didn't remember genuinely any of the characters except for Darla Dimple yeah and when they started playing it I was like oh I recognize her I don't know what from or like why I recognize her character but I remember her and I didn't remember Max but I do for some reason when they were playing it I remembered her song the big and loud song yeah and when they started playing it I was like this is incredibly familiar and like I said I think I've seen this one time but for some reason that song it immediately triggered something in my head right just a very repressed and pushed back memory file just open now I'm gonna use that song all the time (laughs) very dusty like old record players just got tested off just in the back of my mind I just like blew on it like yes (laughs) now I'm like I'm like, I know this song. Yes. Um, so what did we think about it as adults? Let's get into it. So I thought it was interesting that this movie takes place in like 1939 or something. It's it's very clearly late 30s. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the way that it tackled Hollywood, <laughs> you know, even back then and even yeah. today. It A lot of what they covered in that movie is still very, very true of Hollywood today. You know, there's a lot of typecasting. Yeah. There's a lot of doors that are still closed for people, no matter how much, you know, Hollywood tries to position itself as, you know, wanting more diversity or, you know, wanting different types of talent. It's still very much a who you know, and they focus very heavily on the talent that they already have. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought there was just a lot of this that felt... It felt very, very familiar to me, especially from when I first came to Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a shame that this movie did not get more marketing or advertising or any effort into making this film anything because I thought it was really cute. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was really cute and I thought it had a really good message. And I completely agree with you how like it definitely reminded me of how like you said it just seems like Hollywood and you would know obviously more than I would but that Hollywood just keeps putting all their films around big stars and doesn't really accept anyone outside of that yeah um, yeah or any diversity outside of that I mean the good thing about all of these streaming platforms now is that there is more ability to get on you know a Netflix show or some random Peacock show or a Hulu show or what have you yeah so there are more opportunities But something that they kind of really push in this is that 
Hollywood is a big town and there is a lot of competition Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people who are all gunning for the same things that you're gunning for. You know, if you think you're unique, there's five more of you that they can pull off the street. Right. Um, And I think Sawyer, the cat played by Jasmine Guy, was so spot on. I mean, she's, you know, you get to it and she's very bitter and she's jaded, but she's very realistic in a lot of ways. You know, he's very much a dreamer. And, you know, Danny, when he gets there, he's like, he messes up big time and he's like, oh, well, yeah. He's like, why don't they like me? Is it, is it, you know, because I, you know, didn't hit my note right. I didn't hit my mark. What, you know, what can I do to improve? And she's like, buddy, it's just the way that it works. Unfortunately, the machine just works like this. And it, you know, you stepped on the toes of people who are more famous than you and they have more pull than you. And you're, you Mm -hmm. know, you're very green. You're just very green. Yeah. But I do love that it, it ended up taking that and kind of flipping it on its head and being like, the odds are stacked against you, but still go out there and do it, do what you love. You know, you're still here for a reason. Um, so I really, really like that message and yeah. I wish that it were that simple in real life, but I love that it, it really, you know, tells people like, just go for it. Like, even if, you know, everything is against you, even if the status quo is stacked against you, like still go for it, do what you love. The one thing that I, I will say that I didn't like about this movie though, more specifically about the character, Danny, like you said, he's a big dreamer. He comes to Hollywood. He wants to make it big. But I really didn't like how, and I obviously know it's a cartoon, but it just, it made me cringe so hard. On his first day, he gets an audition, which I'm sure never happens never in real life. Like on your first day, <laughs> he gets hired for a Noah's Ark picture with Darla Dimple. And when he gets on set, he doesn't stick to the script. He doesn't do his job, what he's told. And he basically breaks out in song and steals the show from Darla Dimple. Right. And then he's like, what did I do wrong? I'm like, do you know nothing of Hollywood? (laughs) Like, I completely agree with you trying to break the status quo and break the stereotype and prove that cats are more than what they seem. They're more than just saying meow. Right. But at the same time, you don't step on the feet of the people who are much bigger than you because that's a good way of not getting a job ever again. Yeah. And it's also just, it's unprofessional. I mean, if that were, obviously we're seeing this from an adult lens and it's a cartoon, but yeah, it technically would be unprofessional. That would be like going into a major meeting that your CEO is having and just kind of running your mouth. And it's like, no, you don't know as much as the CEO, let them speak and let them, you know, handle this. It's just, it's very much stepping on the toes of people who are hired for a specific job to do a specific thing. Yeah. And now you're trying to upstage them and that's, that's really just not fair. Um, so yeah, exactly. I get that. And I, that was another part. Yeah. That I was also very frustrated. I very much felt for Sawyer throughout this whole movie. Yeah. So I was like, that's so frustrating. Like he just doesn't get it. You can't just walk in and be like, I'm a star, make me a star. That's right. not how it works. <laughs> and it is, it is perfectly reasonable to have dreams and to want to yeah. be a star and to Absolutely. make, make a list of goals that you want to achieve on yep. the way to that dream. But his list of goals was within the span of a week. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. This man said, get, go to Hollywood on Monday, get hired on Tuesday, film on Wednesday, uh, attend the premiere. Yes. Attend the premiere on Friday. Like, sir, what? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like you said, dream big, have big dreams, but also don't overshoot your shot while you're trying to, (laughs) while you're trying to do it. 
And be realistic on your way to that dream. Like, it's not going to happen automatically. Yeah. It takes a very, very long time. Or you just have to have nepotism and already know people who can get you where you need to be. Yeah. I also really liked Darla Dimple, how she was, quote unquote, America's sweetheart. But she was a psycho and like so, so manic in everything that she did and she had she was mentally unstable and I feel like that is so reminiscent of how most celebrities must behave in real life like just (laughs) from the outside looking in they look like sweet so innocent and then in real life they're just like get me a coffee you know what I mean oh yeah yeah it depends on the celebrity I'm sure but I'm like I'm like watch it like a random celebrity listens to this I know (laughs) it's like I'm not like that um but no I yeah I agree I think that it's very reminiscent I also she's clearly based on Shirley Temple yes and so I'm like is this whole thing a dig at Shirley Temple like was Shirley Temple this way I'm I don't know if it was just kind of they were trying to be like, you know, this is how a massive diva behaves or if this is supposed to be a dig at Shirley Temple because it's very clearly modeled after her. Right. She even has animal crackers at one part for God's sake. Yes, exactly. Curious. Yes. (laughs) I liked how her security guard was basically Frankenstein mixed with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad because I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, Frankenstein. (laughs) Right. But honestly, we all need a max in our lives. Like his name was Max and he was fantastic. I just want to know why was he so large? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why was he so much bigger than everybody else? (laughs) Right. And I'm like, I don't know if that means that the cats were just smaller and like Darla was that small, but this man was massive. Like his head was in the rafters where the lighting was. Yeah, no, he was a giant. Yes. (laughs) For what? (laughs) But also I wish I had a Max. Like if I have a problem... I want to be able to call someone. I want to be able to scream, first of all, and not be seen as a psychotic mess. <laughs> and then I want someone huge to just barge in and handle my issues. Yeah. You know what? I really want that for when people cat call on the street. I just want to have a max pop up. <laughs> yes. Or if something happens and you like someone spills their drink on you at a bar and you just want to be able to go max <laughs> and have them just ex- escort them out. Yeah. <laughs> like your own personal battle. Bouncer. Yeah, that's essentially what he, I mean, he's supposed to be her bar, her bodyguard. So it's basically like your own personal bouncer. Right. It's fantastic. Love that. Um, now let's get into the music. Um, Big and Loud was my favorite song. Yes. Like I said, it, it awoken something in me. I, she started singing and I was like, I know this song and I don't know how I know it, Yeah. but I know it. And it was very familiar to me. None of the other songs, maybe there was one other one, but most of them did not stick out to me. They were not, they weren't anything that I remembered. I did enjoy uh, Sawyer's song. I normally, when ba- when things are happening during ballads, it's a hit or miss for me. It's either they're really good or they're like, okay. And I have to fast forward through them, but I really liked hers. Right. I thought the music in this was really cute. Yeah. But I will say I did notice, and I know we touched on this in earlier episodes of this podcast, that some composers, when they do films and they do multiple films and they do a lot of films, right? some of their songs start sounding a lot like each other or they just kind of um, copy and paste samples and use them later on. Right. So I did notice that the song I Got Rhythm in My Feet sounded just like I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away by Randy Newman from Toy Story 4. Oh, I haven't seen Toy Story 4, so I would know. Yeah, it sounded 
at least to me, maybe I'm just like partially deaf and I don't know, but um, (laughs) it sounded very, very similar to me. And then also in the song, like you said, your favorite song, Big and Loud, that whole scene really reminded me of I've Got Friends on the Other Side from Princess and the Frog, um, which also Randy Newman wrote. Oh, I love Princess and the Frog. That's so funny. I didn't even think of that. So just like the shadow on the wall... The shadow yeah. on the wall and like the tempo and the the background music, the melody, everything just really reminded me of um, I Got Friends on the Other Side. Honestly, maybe that's why it sounded so familiar to me because I really like Princess and the Frog. So that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked the music in it, but I definitely noticed like a few similarities of from this movie's music to randy newman's latest like later works i almost wonder if he decided to take the music that was really overlooked in this movie yeah. and just kind of sneak it into those ones to kind of you know it's like why waste you know this beautiful harmony exactly. like let's put this into into xyz movie that makes complete sense they're like well warner brothers didn't even try with my music so might as well yeah. get it some attention somewhere else right and what bigger stage can you really get than disney movies disney or pixar movies for that type exactly of stuff? Exactly. I thought it was hilarious. Can I just say I really loved Darla Dimple? Yeah. I thought she was hilarious and I thought she was so out there and so crazy, but so entertaining to watch. Yeah. I thought she was so funny. And I love the part where her and Max are like hiding in front of her billboard. Yeah. Just in plain sight, but they fit right in because it's her billboard. They were so funny, and I love that she had a house that looked like her. Yes. Like, I'm sorry, can I have that? (laughs) I need a house that looks like me ASAP. The physics of how she moved did not make any sense at all, but I thoroughly enjoyed them. (laughs) Yes. She's so funny. I also really liked the little penguin, the little penguin sidekick. Yes, I thought he was... Pudge, he was so cute. He was. Oh my god, I was obsessed with him the whole movie. Every time he came on screen, I was like, "That's my baby." He was <laughs> like, so precious, and I was like, so "Pudge, Pudge's happy feet before happy feet was happy feet." Yeah. Like, he oh my god, so cute. I thoroughly enjoyed the part where Max made him all like staticky and then stuck <laughs> yes. him to the ceiling because his hair <laughs> stood up on it. <laughs> He was just so cute. He just wanted to be there and eat everything. Like he same, is bro. So relatable. <laughs> I like when Max starts dancing when all the animals are like yes, singing, and Max just starts shaking his butt everywhere. He was so cute. That cracked me up. That I was not expecting that. <laughs> yes, that part, and then the part where Tilly, the hippo, leans on the restaurant and the whole, the whole thing, thing moves. moves. Yes, those were the two parts where I literally laughed out loud. Yeah. How did you feel about Tilly as a character? I thought she was okay. I didn't I didn't mind her. Yeah, I'm glad you were also kind of just lukewarm about her. Yeah. It was kind of hard to gauge whether she wanted to be Danny's friend or if she wanted to like fit in with everyone. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about her. I was like I feel like I could have liked her so much if she was the caring mom friend who was just kind of yeah. like encouraging them, you know, just nicely but I felt like she was kind of a two-faced friend like half the time she was encouraging people or saying you know oh you're great I'm so nice to you and then there was this whole scene where she was with the other animals and she's making fun of him and he walks in 
And I'm like, okay, but are you his friend or not his friend? Like that, yeah. she was just so wishy-washy. And I think that also might go back to how it's very reminiscent of how Hollywood is and still is. Like there yeah, are so many people true. who want to people please and make fun of others because that they think that that's going to get them ahead. And then, I mean, who doesn't want to like please everyone, but... I also like understood why that's why Tilly's character was the way she was because it did kind of seem like she was that way because she was in Hollywood and trying to make it big. Yeah. Fake friends. <laughs> yeah. The goat kind of annoyed me. Yeah. Like, he was just so negative all the time, but I loved the fish lady. I loved her. Yes. She was like, I need a drink. And I was like, girl, same. The only time that the the goat made me laugh was when they were they were watching the Darla Dimple premiere at the end and he goes, shoot me. (laughs) That made me laugh. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, I thought he was kind of annoying. The turtle was fine. I thought maybe he was like a little overdone with the whole like nervousness because turtles apparently are supposed to be super nervous. Yeah. And I like the elephant a lot. I liked him. Yeah. So much. The one thing I will say is that this movie had a lot of animal characters and I kind of felt like an ensemble. Yeah. I kind of felt like, they didn't need as many as they did. Yeah. They, at least they could have used them as background characters. They didn't need to have each and every single one of them talk or have some kind of personality in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think there was a lot of them and you didn't emotionally connect enough to almost any, any of them. them. Like they yeah. they weren't around long enough to build. Like we said, we're still trying to figure out what, what the or what the hippo's personality even was and she was actually in the movie for like a good amount yeah i felt like they were just sort of supposed to be comedic relief or just supposed to be there as plot points but they didn't serve any character purpose yeah and so yeah i agree with you i just i didn't really see the point of them i think pudge made sense obviously sawyer and danny make sense yeah um and then the elephant made sense because he's also part of their journey yeah but the others i was just like your background characters, but then you're also kind of part of it, but you're like not. It was just really hard to get a read on any of them. Yeah. And even the Sawyer and Danny love connection didn't really strike me, I guess, as hard as it should have. It was so random. Yeah. They didn't like each other. Like, at least he, I think Danny probably liked Sawyer, but Sawyer didn't want anything to do with him. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just fell in love with him. It just kind of felt forced and out of place. Yeah, they were bickering pretty much the whole movie. There's the one dance scene where their faces get close when they dance. But other than that, they were pretty much arguing and she was annoyed with him the whole movie. And then she does her ballad and suddenly she's in love with him. And I'm like... I feel like I missed seven steps of this. What just happened? There wasn't really any chemistry between them. No. I also felt like maybe Sawyer kind of fell in love with him because she found her passion again. She had kind of forgotten that she loved singing and she had given it up for so long. And then Danny came into town and he was like, hey, we should test we should test Hollywood and show them what we got. And that kind of gave her the ambition to want to sing again. But I was like, why does that have to equate to romance? Yeah. To a romantic connection between the two of them. Honestly, I just feel like Sawyer is too good for him. Yes. (laughs) Like, that's kind of how I felt throughout the movie. I was like, she's kind of so out of your league, dude. Yeah. She's so out of your league. And with how realistic she is and how unrealistic his goals and aspirations are, it's just like, I'm like, those two are not going to last. They're not going to. I sense counseling in the future. Yes, exactly. (laughs) My last 
note was that the movie was cute and I actually liked the end credits with the characters, the animals being in famous movies like Casablanca and Free Willy. Yeah, I thought that was, that was really cute. That was a cute addition. Yeah, I liked seeing how they mixed them all up too. They kind of mixed up all the characters into different movies. So it wasn't just the same right. characters, you know, in the same movies together. And it was also entertaining to see which movies they picked for because obviously they're not going to pick anything past, what is it, 1997? Yeah. I mean, Batman and Robin was one of the movies that they showed in the credits. Yeah. So it's just interesting, like, what all these crazy famous movies were, because they're going to pick the ones that were most famous at the time of 1997. So it was just like, what were the top, most classic movies that they decided to do, which was kind of cool and interesting. Right. And it also made me laugh, because I was like, Warner Brothers really just loves reminding you of all the fun, like, of all the most iconic movies that they have. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I just watched Space Jam A New Legacy with LeBron James. And that was pretty much all the movie was. Like, it was a really good movie, but a lot of it was diving back into classic Warner Brothers media. Gotcha. And I mean, honestly, I wasn't mad at it. But like, it just, it kind of was funny to see the parallels between Cats Don't Dance and like the the credits and seeing them put all the the Casablanca and Free Willy and stuff like that in the credits. And then I see Space Jam and they're like, oh, LeBron flew past Casablanca world. And then he flew past Hogwarts. And it's just like, it's, it was really funny. Um, That's awesome. I'm just like, they like reminding you, hey, we have this. They honestly just love to brag. It's just yeah. the way, <laughs> it's the way that studios are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what would we change about this film to make it better? Because it is possible for this to get better. <laughs> I think it's probably possible for it to yeah. get better. Um, yeah, I think I, like I said, I don't really know. I, I guess I would want more of the background characters, those background yeah. animals. I figure if you're going to include them, either go all the way and actually make them somebody we can relate to and care for. Right. Or don't make them a big deal at all. Um, yeah. So that's probably my one big thing. I also, I just really wanted to see more of Pudge. I just loved him so much. (laughs) What about you? I would have loved to see more comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one thing that I felt like this film was really lacking was it wasn't really funny. And I may, maybe that's just a cliche on my part for expecting a cartoon to be funny. Yeah. But, um, there were two parts where I laughed out loud and this is a, an hour and 30 minute film. Yeah. And then the other thing, actually, I have two more things. So the first would probably be maybe seeing Danny actually act back home where he was. Because oh, it just yeah. kind of seemed like he just all of a sudden decided one day he woke up and he was like, I want to be an actor. Let me move to Hollywood. Right. Um, I was going to say, we have no background on his character. Yeah. It would have made his plight and his his desire to get there I think more relatable because we see we see him when he gets to Hollywood and he's like I have a dream you can have a dream everybody can follow their dream but yeah I mean he kind of said that he was sort of a big fish in a small pond back home so I would have liked to see yeah his maybe a musical number back home or you know how everybody supports him or says you know you can follow your dream or whatever um just to kind of ground him and figure you know see was he actually very talented back home does, does his dream have merit you know Right. And did he actually work? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's one thing. You can have a dream all you want, but if you're not willing to work towards it. Right. It's just going to fall flat. So that kind of, um, I felt like showing him 
working towards it back home would have been more impactful for his journey yeah. to play out on the Absolutely. screen. Absolutely. Um, and then the last thing, like we said before, was um, Sawyer and Danny. I kind of wish we had gotten more more of a connection between them um, or more chemistry. Maybe another scene where um, she realizes she likes him because of something he says or... right. Or they get close to kissing again. Or there there just wasn't any real connection between the two of them. They really weren't similar at all. Right. In their ideals or anything that they wanted. And like I said, it, I get it was supposed to be like opposites attract. But it just felt very forced. And I kind of wish that we had gotten maybe a scene that showed something that they had in common. Or yeah. um, they made an actual connection between their personalities. Yeah, I totally agree. Just anything to show how we went from zero to 100 so quickly. Yeah, because and Steph and I will tell you, we are huge fans of people turning from haters to lovers. We are. Yeah, we love an enemies to lovers trope. We love it. (laughs) We are here for it, but it needs merit. This one just fell really flat. Yeah, 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 100 percent. So it's critic ratings time. Yay. Cats Don't Dance received a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. A 74% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. You guys, that is a 7% higher critic rating than Home Alone got on Rotten Tomatoes. What? The film received an 80% (laughs) audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and three out of five stars on Common Sense Media. What? Is that not insane? Cats Don't Dance rated 7% higher for critics than Home Alone. This is what I'm telling you about how critics don't know anything. Yes. (laughs) And not only that, but like... Home Alone also got an 80% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So they tied in that aspect as well. Yeah. And they're, and I believe, did, did we say Home Alone also got a 6.9 out of 10 or something like that on IMDb? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was like 6.7 or something. This might've done better, but hold on. Let me see real quick. Yeah. Take a peek. Home Alone got, okay. Home Alone got 7.6 on, out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. So, okay. so it a little bit in that aspect. Yeah. But I'm like, you guys got the same exact audience score, but critics loved this. And then they bashed on home. I don't get it. I don't get it. Right. Maybe oh, it's because they only had 15 people at the screening. So they only <laughs> got like 15 people rating. It was the five family members and then 10 yes. critics. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so we can now rate this film on a scale of A plus to F minus. A plus means this film is seriously underrated. Darla Dimple is a whole mood and I'm bummed I didn't watch this more as a kid. F minus meaning this film should have stayed in the past. It was an hour and a half of pure torture and the movie was so bad it deserved to earn less than $3.6 million in the box office. (laughs) Based on this rating scale, what would you rate Cats Don't Dance? I'm going to give it a B plus, actually. Um, I really, I liked it. I thought it was super cute. I don't know that it's something I would go out of my way to rewatch. Yeah. And I honestly, if my, and this is why I'm giving it a B plus instead of an A minus. If a friend said, hey, do you want to watch Cats Don't Dance or XYZ other movie? Unless that other movie was so bad that I'd have to pick this, I would probably end up picking the other movie, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really cute movie. I think it's cute to watch every few years, probably. I would probably give this a B minus between a B minus and a C plus because this this movie is very, very average and it's just not 
memorable. And maybe that's because of yeah we only watched it maybe once before and this is our second or third time seeing it um but i thought it was cute i thought a lot of the film's plot fell flat and there was a few things that kind of didn't make sense in like like we said about the romance yeah um and stuff like that so i thought that this film actually did a really good job of staying on track for an hour and 30 minutes i thought an hour and 30 minutes was like the perfect time for it. I didn't think it needed yeah. to be any longer or any shorter. Um, but yeah, Darla Dimple was the best part of this movie. But oh yeah, I just like you said, it's not something I would turn to. Yeah, if I wanted to watch something nostalgic. Yeah, if you have a choice, I am glad that we went back and watched it though, because like I remember Darla Dimple, and it would have driven me crazy until I rewatched this movie <laughs> because I would have been like, why do I remember this little girl? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am glad that we dove back into it, but I think a B minus is, is my rating for this. Yeah. We're sticking to the B range. If we had a choice, we'd probably watch something else, but it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of yeah. forgettable. <laughs> and like I said before, it's, it's a shame that it didn't get more marketing. Cause I think that a lot of kids would have really liked this movie. Yeah. Um, besides the fact that it didn't really have that much humor in it. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So. All right, everybody. Well, go give us a follow on social media. We are on Instagram at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. We will be posting our August watch list this Friday. Oh, my gosh. It is almost August. I know. I just had a full moment. You do not want to miss our August watch list. Oh yeah. Um, we have some fun episodes coming up and a lot of exciting announcements. So go follow now and don't forget to leave us a rating on whatever listening platform you're using to tune in. We appreciate any and all feedback. Thank you so much for joining till next time till next time. Smell you later.